Welcome to the CEO.Digital Show. My name's Craig McCartney. And I'm Darcy Thompson-Fields. And this is an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C-suite. You'll hear insights that will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders now and in the future. You can find out more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. So Craig, how did you find the interview with Ramses? Darcy, I absolutely loved it. What an interesting person. So passionate, very, very uh, infectious character, very intelligent, um, lots to say contributed to so many different things. I mean, he even had a flag flown for him in the US Capitol for his contributions to cybersecurity. I mean, so much, I I could speak to him for hours. What about you? Absolutely, such a pleasure to have on and so many accolades. I think a highlight point for me was really delving into the two pillars of any cybersecurity strategy, which are people and data, and also how that needs to filter across the whole of your organization. Shall we get into the episode? Let's do it. Our guest this week is Ramses Gallego. Ramses is an international chief technology officer at CyberRes, a microfocus line of business. He has over 20 years of professional expertise in cybersecurity, risk management, and governance. Previously, Ramses was the Security, Risk and Governance International Director at Microfocus, Strategic and Evangelist at the Office of CTO in Semantic, and held the position of Security Strategist and Evangelist at Dell Technologies. He is an internationally recognised speaker and a proud member of and alumni of many industry-leading committees and conferences. Welcome to the CEO.Digital show, Ramses. Great to have you here. Oh, thank you for, for having me. It's truly a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. So as we've just heard, um, an illustrious career so far, many top positions from the world's top technology companies, and also a variety of positions on um, numerous boards and committees. So can you just tell us a little bit more about your career and how come you've, uh, you got to the position of a CTO for Microfocus and then how you specialize in cybersecurity? Let me say that I started in sales. You know, I started as a young professional selling IT products, you know, uh, uh, metrics and indicator products and software tools, etc. But then I, I wanted to understand more, I mean, not just from a sales perspective, but from a not just technical, but technological perspective, the real foundations of how the digital economy and then how software can uh, craft, you know, a business and can help to boost uh, the sales and productivity, right? Then I started to get a couple of certifications here and there, you know, CISSP, C-Guide certified in the governance of the enterprise IT. So from a sales perspective, I also wanted to understand the business side of the world. But also I get my Six Sigma Black Belt certification and accreditation that is about project management and getting rid of mistakes with, again, being sales that help to enable a right, the right business conversation. You know, when I was meeting not just purchasing managers, but then I was meeting infrastructure manager and CTOs and sometimes even legal counsel. So then, then I moved into the areas of cybersecurity. I wanted to understand the, the, the beauties and the magics of protecting and defending. And I also understood at that time, at an early age, that 
in the upcoming cloud generation, protecting the cloud generation and as applications move back and forth, you know, into the cloud, I wanted to understand how we can better protect the world, the business world. So again, and then I, 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 I got all other certifications on, on also project management, the Stanford certified project manager certification. So in a nutshell, a combination and a career that has been crafted on the technology side of the world and in the business side of the world. And that combination, to my eyes, I think that's that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you've had a very special honor in 2013 um, off the back of your success in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and why you were the recipient of that? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, and, And I have to say that was or is a highlight in my career. You know, I'm, I'm Spanish, uh, born and raised in Barcelona, uh, uh, Spain. Uh, but the U.S. government on November the 1st, 2013, they decided that because of my works and developments on information security, data protection, information safeguarding, and because of my, my willingness of saving the world, if you want to call it like that, they got the U.S. flag flown on my honor on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. So again, not being an American, being a Spaniard, that, that, that was a, truly a, a, you know, a recognition and a word. But the truth to be told, at the end of the day, at 6.30 p.m., they called me. They get the, the flag down, you know, from, from the Capitol. They folded it like, a, like with a triangle, you know, like in movies or in TV series, you know. I mean, they folded it like a triangle with a ceremony, et cetera. And they sent it uh, back home. So I have it here as one of my, my things in my studio, you know, when I'm, when I'm working. Of course, in these pandemic times, I'm sitting here in my studio. But every single morning, what I'm seeing on top of, of my computer is the, the, the fantastic recognition, the U.S. flag, which, by the way, explicitly says flown in the honor of Ramses Gallego in the Capitol. That went uh, with, uh, with a letter of the House of Representatives from Congress and senators, so sing, signing them, and again, thanking for the developments on information security, which again is, it is a, certainly a highlight in my career, absolutely. Amazing, can imagine. Um, <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're currently working on at CyberRes and what you're uh, helping your customers to achieve. Well, well, thank you for that because CyberRes is a micro-focused line of business. So micro-focus has 40 years of, of experience in the IT arena and digital transformation. Let, let me tell you, we had a vision like one year ago, one year and a half ago, and we wanted to help customers into the journey from cybersecurity, which is protecting and defending and identifying, the journey from that into cyber resiliency. And cyber resiliency is the capacity to endure, the capacity to resist, the capacity to withstand in these very, again, troubled, difficult times that we are living, not just because of COVID-19, but actually geopolitics and all of this little mess that we have in the world. So cyber resiliency, the capacity to resist is super important. And then, and then we gave it a name, and the name is cyber rest, coming from cyber resiliency. So in a, in a nutshell, Darcy, what we're doing is uh, uh, fulfilling the not just the mission and vision, but the purpose and promise. Mm. Let me repeat that. The purpose and the promise. Every company on the planet has a mission and a vision. They want to be the best you know, retailer on the planet, the best healthcare. Great, fantastic. But what happened to the conversation of the purpose and the promise? And our purpose and the promise is protecting, defending, uh, anticipating threat, not just identifying, uh, anticipating threats, 
resisting, and then evolving to the best version of, of themselves. That's what we are helping customers with in four areas, if I, if I may say. Give me 10 seconds just to, to let you know. And your question was, how we are helping? Great. We're helping in a, in a, with four, four dimensions. Identity management, data security, application security, and security operations. When we went back to the drawing board, um, of course, I was, I was part of the team that uh, went back to that drawing board and the designing and crafting of the vision and mission, purpose and promise. We said, well, that's pretty holistic, isn't it? So identities, data, applications and security operations. We are so proud of, of having a name for that and having that holistic approach and end-to-end vision. Darcy. Absolutely, yeah. Fantastic. So getting a little bit more into the detail and your expertise on cybersecurity, you're a firm believer that CTOs and CIOs, I mean, no matter what the function, must live by and for the business. You're also a believer that their two most important assets are people and data or information. Could you outline how these two elements, people and data, coincide and what the outcome of that combination is when it comes to cybersecurity? Absolutely. And, and great question, I have to say. I mean, you said it. I mean, the two most important assets of any company two of, on the planet, the two most important assets in this order, by the way, people and data. And, and our listeners will appreciate that, okay, uh, uh, people and data means customers and information or citizens and personal data. At the end of the day, that unique combination of protecting and, if I may say, positively obsessing on protecting people and protecting data. And through the protection of data, protecting people, again, citizens, customers, patients, uh, employees, right? That, that's the name of the game. So mm-hmm. the combination of people and data, protecting people like data and data is super important. Actually, if I may add another layer. So, so your, your, your question was super pointed, but I, we, we see at CyberRest, a micro-focus line of business, we see actually three playgrounds or three, three territories or, or areas that you have to, to fulfill that, that promise, which is identities, data, and applications. So people, identities, roles, privileges, entitlements, rights, okay? Data. And, and I think that listeners would appreciate the following, and they might agree or disagree, but we, we think, I think, that little nuggets of data in aggregated fashion they become information. So we call it data protection because that's the terminology uh, in the industry. But at the end of the day, correct me if I'm wrong, but different sets of data together, they become information, right? So at the end mm-hmm. of the day, what we want to protect is digital personas, digital identities, digital. So so that that interesting, you know, uh, comparison on data and information, I think is super cool. And, and that third layer, uh, Darcy, was about, okay, but data is hosted in applications, am I right? Not only on-prem, not only on the, da- on, the, on the data center that we have in the house, in the office, on-premise, but, but also in the clouds in plural. So in that cloud generation journey that I was talking a couple of minutes ago, in that journey, you know, protecting identities, data, and applications, or people and data, as per your question, and then applications, for us, is super important. And as I said, having a holistic vision to that I'm, I'm i'm strongly inviting our listeners today to do that to think not only on one direction on cybersecurity or cyber resiliency but the three of them people data and then the applications that actually host host that that information absolutely 
Fantastic. And kind of further on your visions for cybersecurity, your vision for radical innovation comes down to adapting and adopting. Can you tell us a little bit more about what this means for you and how you apply it to the way you do business? Well, absolutely. We, we, we take a, 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 the center of everything. Uh, it's the discipline of trust, the holy discipline of trust. Trust, my dear listeners and, and, and interviewers, thank you. Thank you for having me again today. Trust is subjective in nature, isn't it? So you are not trustable, trustable because you say so. You're trustable because others say so. You are trustable because someone thinks that you deserve her or his trust. And that's mm-hmm. super important because the way we are inviting and helping our customers to define their businesses is exactly that. You need to look trustable, to, to sound trustable. You have to, to, to have a, a robust and solid approach for your customers. Remember, customers, citizens, patients, employees, consumers, they need to rely on you and you you have to earn, and I love the verb, to earn their trust. So that's our approach, again, through the four dimensions that I just told you, identity governance, application security, data security, and security operations, but trust at the center of everything. And when you combine trust with the three layers that I have just said in in the previous question, identities, data, and applications combined with a flavor on on trust, earning the trust. That's super important for any business out there. Uh, And I'm addressing, I know, I mean, I know people, CEOs, CTOs, CFOs, and and executives on retail, but telcos as well, and Mm. and healthcare as well, and government officials that are listening to this, to this interview, right? So, so trust at the heart of everything the world has to do. Again, the world is, is troubled enough. So, so trust at the heart of everything uh, they have to do, we have to do with the, those three layers that I was telling you. That, that, that's our approach, trust at the heart of everything. And then, uh, Ramsey, you speak about a troubled world. You know, we can't have a, a discussion at the moment without talking about the global pandemic. Absolutely. And, you know, over the past year, the shift to remote working has triggered a rise in security breaches. Mm-hmm. It's also reinforced by the fact that when it comes to risk and security, Understanding where your data lives is a top priority. And we touched on this uh, in the pre-interview and, you know, it, it blew my mind because I actually have no idea where, where my data lives. But can you tell us how IT leaders might go about achieving this? Absolutely. And that, that's a fundamental business question. Business question. I love it, uh, Craig. Thank you for that. But it looks like an IT question where my data lives. But isn't it true that it, it's a business question? You need to understand on the foundations of of businesses, and again, the executives that are listening to this today, they need to understand the very pillars on their their products. They sit on a database somewhere, and the different, different, you know, uh, I don't know, car, uh, loyalty cars they have for memberships and, and the different, the supply chain, you know, the different products that come and go in order to create the service they provide. At the end of the day, that's data. Hence, as a consequence, the question is, where does your data live? Because sometimes it's, you know, on a mobile device, sometimes in the different clouds in plural. And let me stress that out. There is not one cloud. We love it as a marketing term, the cloud. You know, it looks like it looks like a TV series, you know, streaming now, the cloud, season two. Great. But in reality, in reality, there are more than one cloud, actually more than more than dozens of clouds. As a consequence, let me open a door for a very interesting term that I hope that listeners would appreciate, is the question of shadow IT or shadow data. Let me explain. 
shadow IT is that IT information technology, that technology that lives, unfortunately, at the shadow of the risk department, at the shadow of the compliance department, at the shadow sometimes, and I hate to say this, even from the purchasing department, because it was acquired, you know, through three different clicks on one specific cloud, because I have the authority to do so, because, you know, I'm entitled with my corporate credit card, da, 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 da. Meaning shadow IT or shadow data, which is the same, that data that actually, and to your question, and Craig, that's very important, on that data that actually you don't know that it exists. How many... And I'm, I'm inviting, and hopefully that raises a smile on our listeners today. I mean, I'm inviting you to, to think about, are you sure that no one in the company, in the association, in your organization, are you sure that she or he has never, ever sent something through, I don't know, we transfer, for instance, or someone put it some, something on box or Dropbox, I will, I will send it through Yammer or, or Yahoo Mail, or I will leave it on my iCloud folder. I'm sure, and I'm putting money on the table virtually. <laughs> I'm putting money on the table. Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. The answer is yes, because we humans, we people, we colleagues and, and friends, and I mean, we, we decide to use the technology at large. The question is, can you do that? that is that sanctioned and, and by, by, by the company? Sometimes the answer is no. And then as per your question, you need to know where your data lives, back and forth, the different clouds, the different applications, the different servers, because Galileo Galilei, more than 500 years ago, said a very, very relevant quote that, that I think it's super applicable to today's problems, which is, she, he said, I mean, you cannot manage what you don't know. And, and the version of it is you cannot control, you cannot improve, you cannot, as a consequence, protect what you don't know. Then the questions of shadow IT and shadow data and not knowing where your data sits, where your data lives, that's a fundamental, again, uh, Craig and Darcy, a fundamental business question, not an IT question. Great. And um, you touched on this holistic approach to security a couple of times now. I wonder if you can just unpack that a bit more for the listener and maybe from a you know personal perspective, how have you gone about achieving this holistic approach to security? Well, thank you. Thank you for that. But, uh, you know, the holistic approach comes from understanding every angle, every dimension, digital dimension of the business. I take for granted that the, the, the professionals that are listening to us and executives in the different departments and, 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 and fields of expertise within the company. The, our listeners today, they, they know a lot about marketing and finance, of course, and, and the supply chain and, and international you know, business development. Great. But all of them, in all of the departments, they have different information, different uh, uh, roles, and uh, their people, I mean, their they're, they're, uh, employees, they have, again, going back to my statement before, identities, data, and applications. So what type of roles do you have? What type of privileges? What can you do with data? Where data sits? What type of access, which I love, by the way, the terminology circles of trust, circles mm-hmm. of trust, who I can trust with this, with this specific data, which probably, you know, the three of us here in the interview and the rest of uh, the listeners, of course, maybe we are a circle of trust, meaning out of this circle of trust, there is certain information, let's say, that I'm acquiring a company or that I'm merging with some other uh, entity that out of this circle of trust, 
shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, shared. You know, this is why this is why super it's critical the classification of information. So achieving in a holistic approach, as per your question, Craig, is understanding identities, data, and applications. Going back to my formula on who has access to what, when, and how. Let me repeat because these are five universal questions. They are they, they are applicable to basically everything in life. Who has access to what, when that happened, or is it going to happen, how, and for how long, you know, who has access to what, when, and how. So the holistic approach that you mentioned, and I'm combining it with an answer or a question from Darcy before, you do it not only not only by doing the same things, you know, Albert Einstein said that uh, 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 being crazy or craziness is keeping doing the same things and expecting different results, isn't it? So if you keep doing the same thing, so you need to do it apart from a holistic, uh, with a holistic approach, as per your question, Craig, going back to Darcy's uh, question before, on a radical innovation approach, doing different things differently. This is how you gain competitive advantage. So to our listeners today, thinking out of the box, I know, I I understand, and and I give it to you. It's not, it's not easy, but it's not impossible, isn't it? It's not impossible. It's doing different things differently. This is why, I mean, the best executives on the planet are considered like that because radical innovation is the name of the game. I mean, keeping keeping protecting and defending and protecting the, 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 the bottom line and the PL and the cash flow. Yes to all of that. But in a very digital epoch that we are living, in this digital era, radical innovation, a holistic approach, those two things, I mean, they, they are the name of the game for, for us, and, and I'm inviting listeners for them as well, hopefully. Great. And uh, I also learned something new today that there's now a new series on Netflix called The Cloud, and I, I'm really keen to uh, – <laughs> I've, I've run out of telly, so very, very useful. Thank you. <laughs> Correct. Well, you touched on earlier that actually kind of one of the key elements to digital strategy is people. But the fact is that they're also a key risk, right? There's a sense that people still haven't fully woken up to the threat of cybersecurity. But in truth, we're all a target and the value of intellectual property is only ever increasing. What do you think, you know, this, where do you think this complacency comes from? And what should the C-suite be doing to communicate what's at stake and helping to tackle it? (sighs) Well, that's that's a very important question that I can answer. I'm not going to do that because you know I, I, I talk a lot, but uh, but with just <laughs> one with one word, of course I will elaborate. Don't worry. But uh, communication. I mean, looking into people's eyes. I mean, even if it's virtually, you know, do it through a camera. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. but looking into people's eyes to avoid complacency. Meaning, uh, your question was, I mean, how how executives can communicate? You know, what's a risk? Well, let them know. Let them know. And that's an example I'm gonna I'm going to to say now. That this this is just a, as a, as a universal generic example, right? You know, but let them know that you are protecting the the Coca Cola formula. Meaning, of course, that's a metaphor. Meaning, the data that is are is or are the pillars of 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 your entity, organization, governmental institution are the pillars, and you need to protect them. You need to protect. Them meaning data and, and, and users. Remember, users and data, as I said before. So, so you need to do whatever it takes to protect the Coca-Cola formula. So, an executive needs to communicate, to be transparent. You know, leadership is about being honest, and as an example. So, 
let them know, and I'm, and I'm doing this with, with CyberRest, with MicroFocus employees. Every time I, I, I'm on camera, of course, I mean, we are all sitting in our, in our places, but I say, remember that we are fulfilling the promise of protecting and defending. And we will do that by, you know, and, and then the, the holy disciplines of encryption and tokenization and protecting data, that's the name of the game, protecting businesses through protecting people and protecting data. So, so communication is, is, is what, as you were, you were crafting the, the question, Darcy, I mean, let them know, look into people's eyes. Sometimes in some specific industries, they put it on contract. I mean, you go to HR and then you engage with HR and let them know, I mean, to the human resources or the people's department, uh, let them know that, yes, of course, Ramsey is in my case. We will pay you a salary for your amount of hours of work, your expertise, da, 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 da. But also, I'm expecting the right behavior and, 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 and that you protect the brand. That you don't, you don't, yeah. you don't, you are not a, a you are not a wild card, you know. Out there, I mean, you you need you need to know what's at stake. You need to protect data because actually, it's not your data; it's corporate data, corporate information. And when you run into into areas like healthcare, oh boy, uh, government, phew, nuclear industry, the automobile industry. I mean, the automobile industry, for instance, they they design things for a car that is coming out in I don't know five years time, seven years time. There's billions in the making with B, billions of the making. Can you imagine what will happen if some sort of design or some sort of new engine goes out? And, I mean, that, that's, uh, it, protecting intellectual property is super important because otherwise, apart from protecting intellectual property, let me finish. I know it's a, it's a long answer. I apologize. But, but I get super excited because I see so clearly in my mind that protecting that you're protecting the reputation of the company. Mm. Let me stop there because that's super important for our listeners. So protecting the reputation, how you are perceived, how you are being seen. And then I can link it easily with the trust I was mentioning some minutes ago. You know, how, how you are perceived, how robust and solid is your approach to business at large and security and protection and defense. I, I think that's that, that's important. So in a nutshell, communication uh, through uh, to reputation, and then, of course, to at the end of the day, protecting the business, which is what we are here for. And then talking about um, cybersecurity issues again, Ramsey, so I wanted to ask, there's obviously a lot of things that, that you talk about within cybersecurity, and, you know, especially with the C-suite. Are there any areas right now which aren't getting enough attention or enough you know, headlines in the news? And what, what would those be? Oh, wow, that's, that's a super, inter- a very interesting question because I can think of- a lot of things are not getting the right attention. I have to. I have to admit, right? Uh, there is nothing. There is nothing worse than the false sense of security. So that's a generic answer. I will give you a specific answer now. But the false sense of security, thinking that oh, you know what? I'm not a target. Who's interested on in my company? Who's interested on in my? Everybody's interesting. Interested on in that. I mean, you have credit card information, the supply chain information from your providers. You have employees information, customer records. So everybody is interested, especially, you know, cyber crime, cyber criminals are very uh, interested in that. So, but one area, if I have to choose one, uh, uh, Craig, of the dozens that deserve attention, again, we live in an identity-centric world. So depending who you are, not your name, but your position, meaning the role that you have within a company, 
should define what's, what type of access you should have into company. I can go into other areas, of course, encryption and, and et cetera. But if I have to pick one, that was your, that was your question. One area is identities. Because they, in that identity-centric epoch that I am envisioning is about, it's not because I'm Ramses, it's because I am the CTO. I have certain type of access that someone in finance or in facilities or in the warehouse or in sales uh, she or, or he doesn't have. So an identity-centric view of the world, I think that's super important. We we are not doing enough on defining the limits, you know, defining a, a role access-based, you know, not, not name-based or location-based. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're in Singapore, in Chicago, or sitting here in Barcelona. It matters what type of role do you have, and then you have to have the right access, not more, no less. Because if you don't have the right access, you cannot perform your duties. If you have more access, then you have super privileges and you can do very crazy things and you have uh, uh, super privileges with, with some sort of data. So so in a nutshell, but I can elaborate more on, certainly on data and encryption and tokenization and the cloud, you know, the, the TV series that you were mentioning. Uh, but, uh, but I can certainly talk about and think a lot on this, uh, on this, uh, let, let me give you a headline or give, let me give you a, a sentence which I think is super cool and listeners would appreciate. This is not just an era of changes or an epoch of changes. It's a change of an epoch. It's the change of an epoch. We have to do, we have to be obsessed with the things that we need to protect. And again, going back to Darcy's question before, people and data, people and data, and then the rest, and then buildings and networks and yeah, yeah, but people and data. So listeners uh, uh, who are, I mean, you, you need you need to get obsessed get obsessed on protecting people and data and as a consequence having that holistic program uh, in order to do that identities that's my uh, that's my short answer Craig <laughs> thank you very much mm -hmm. so I've heard you speak before and obviously um, before this you know did a bit of research on you and I was gonna say and, I, and from a from a layman's perspective you think about the rise in cybersecurity risks, the challenges that CISOs are facing, and you think, you know, there can't be a worse time to be in cybersecurity because surely this is the most stressful time for them. But I know you have a, a conflicting view to that. And uh -huh. obviously just listening to you answer the questions and your passion for the subject, um, I can potentially see why, but you know, you would disagree with that statement. There's a there's never been a worse time to be in cybersecurity. <laughs> well, uh, it's true that we are living through difficult times. And again, if there was one business, or there is one business in this pandemic time, you know, in 2020 because of COVID-19, and still today, I mean, a lot of businesses, and I say with massive respect, with my you know, with my uh, admiration to all of the businesses that are struggling and, you know, people who has lost, uh, you know, loved ones. So I say with massive respect, but there's unfortunately one business that boomed, that one business that went through the roof and that was cybercrime. You know, it was not healthcare, it was not retail. I mean, a lot of businesses around the planet still suffering, but one is booming and this is cybercrime. So yes, there hasn't been a worse time to be in cybersecurity than this one. However, let me be positive. There has never been a better time to be in cybersecurity. I want to be explicitly on that because, I mean, technology is here to help. I mean, I mean, to my eyes, and I've seen things, not just within my company, and this is, a, this is a, a showing credit for all of the engineers out there, not just CyberRes or MicroFocus, which, of course, are uh, they have my heart with it, but, but, but engineers at large, I mean, of every company, 
technology looks like magic to me, Craig and Darcy, and of course my dear listeners today. I mean, it looks like magic. There's, there's basically nothing you can do but with the help of, of machine learning, you know, and when I do my sessions on quantum computing, which is, which is not here yet, but it's coming very strong. Yeah, I do that. And, 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 I, and I think like, uh, wow, technology, I mean, it, it, it looks like magic to me. So as a consequence is, and I, and I say with respect that, of course, budgets are not infinite, unfortunately, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, but you have to prioritize. There has never been a better time to be in cybersecurity like this epoch, because if you want to protect the different clouds in plural, you can in a very robust and solid way. When you want to embrace, you know, identity governance or risk management or endpoint protection, if you want to protect your network or storage devices, yes to all of the things that I have just said. So the question is, are you willing to do that? Actually, let me let me drop an acronym here for our listeners that they hopefully hopefully they, they would appreciate it as you you as well. I mean there's a there's a term in, in our in our industry which is called APTs. Advanced Persistent Threats, okay? APT, Advanced Persistent Threat. That tells me that the threats are very advanced, okay, and very persistent, persistent. They try and they try and they persist within a network when one is broken, okay, when it's breached. But the question, ladies and gentlemen, listening today, is not how persistent they are. It's how persistent you are. How persistent you are. Your drive and your willingness to protect and defend. And again, with budgets that are shrinking, and I understand all that, but the question is then you prioritize, then you decide, and, and going back to, to Craig's question before on where your data lives, I mean, who has access to what? Okay, craft a plan, design a program, a cyber resiliency program that actually allows you to, to answer those questions, where my data lives, who has access to what, when, and how. And then as a consequence, you will be able to, to, to protect and defend. So the question is not how persistent they are, but how persistent you are, how, again, positively obsessed we are on protecting and defending. So, so there has never been a better time to be in cybersecurity. Again, with budget shrinking, I, I, I understand all that and I give you that, but the holy discipline of prioritization and technology I mean, help is on the way. Help is on the way, and I say it. I say it in capitals uh, in my in my sentence. Absolutely. Well, with this um, kind of increase in cybercrime, and you know, with the values of engineers never being so high, how is this affecting the talent landscape? You know, are we looking at any sort of talent wars? Is there kind of sufficient talent out there, um, or is it hard to come by? And you know, are we seeing um, the the kind of skills in cybersecurity increasing? That's that's a very good question, and I have to I have to go with the flow. But I have data that proves that we are plus one million short of cybersecurity professionals in the world. Wow. In the world, it is not in, in Europe or in in the world, but plus one million of uh, uh, there's there's a skills shortage crisis. I would say, Darcy. So, and why is that? Because in a world that evolves, you know, that changes at the speed of light, that there's a new methods and new technologies and new, you know, I don't want to be technical in this interview, but there are things like called Kubernetes and microservices. And then, wow, I mean, I mean, it's like, a, a, by the way, and things that we don't always teach in universities. So that's my, that's my mm -hmm. shout out of, I mean, in, in computer science, in physics, I mean, again, I teach on quantum computing. And you go into the university, and unless you are in physics, in physics, in the University of Physics, 
you don't get you don't get taught about about you know quantum mechanics or quantum physics. They don't teach that in computer science. However, quantum computing challenges encryption, challenges the way we protect information, right? So so there's a skill shortage, and I think that we, meaning we, the world, we society at large, we need we we need to go back. I think to the drawing board and and cybersecurity. Isn't it true that it's also about legislation and regulation? Am I right if I say that touches you know international law and and different borders? You can get attacked from thousands of kilometers away, three clicks of distance. How do you prosecute that crime? Well, let me tell you, I'm, I'm sorry, you can't. Well, you could, you you might. I mean, you go, you 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 complain, etc. But how do you how do you uh, how the police on your country, my country, you know, how do they prosecute something that is being done from Romania, Singapore, Spain, or I mean, I mean, I'm saying countries. I mean, as a as an example, right? So, so nothing specific. Meaning, so yes, yes, Darcy, there's a skill shortage, but again, I think the help is on the way. I have the pleasure and the honor of teaching in some master in cybersecurity uh, uh, universities around the world. Of course, these days it has to be virtual, but I have the honor. Of, of being a visiting professor on, on, on different masters, right? And then I, I, I let them know. I let my students know, of course, technology is super important and coding and networks, but there are other angles in this cybersecurity world that is not just about building a fence, building different fences in plural, because there are different clouds in plural, and because there are different devices in plural. And then another another sentence that I think that it would be appreciated, hopefully, by our listeners today and by you as well, is that there's there's a, an expanded threat landscape. It is always amplifying. The threat landscape is amplifying rather than, than shrinking. Why? Because the surface of attack, which I think is a super visual term, you know, the, the surface of attack it's amplifying, it's expanding every single day. So as a consequence, Darcy, we need people that understand mobile technology, storage devices, clouds, networks, that are legislation, regulation. So yes, but help is on the way. And I'm a romantic probably on my, on my answer, but help is on the way. I know it for a fact because I'm a teacher in different universities. Well, I'm glad we could end on that reassuring <laughs> note. Um, well, I mean, just taking a bit of a step back here, we touched at the start on your many accolades and, you know, you've been heading up kind of teams of engineers. You head up security for your clients and also, as you just touched on, uh, students and, and kind of future engineers. So from your experience, what do you think are the qualities of a successful strategic leader? Ooh, of course, commitment passion, energy, they need to know that you know, they need to feel that you're on it 100%. Mm. Of course, the, the, the disciplines or the angles of transparency, needless to say, ethics, of course, you know, but integrity. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been leading different teams in different, different companies, different cultures, which let me, let me introduce that because that's super important as well. I understand that we have people from different parts of the world or, or at least different parts of, of one specific country. Culture is super important. And actually, Peter Drucker said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. So culture is important. You need to, and, and then communication. So a leader, a leader is recognized. So a leader is not just named by the company. Well, yes, but meaning... You are a leader because leaders become leaders because people see them as leaders. So integrity, respect, of course, for everyone, 
respect for diversity, for cultural challenges, but of course, honesty, ethics, integrity. Those are the, the usual pack. My pack, if I can put a Ramses pack in, in here, it's energy, passion, and commitment. When you have it within you, when you drive your speeches, your plans, your designs, your communication from your inner core, meaning from from the heart, from the brain, but your inner core, they feel it. They feel that you are, you, you, you deserve to be a leader. Leaders are recognized as leaders for that. And then talking a little bit about you and how you obviously got to this uh, position today, what were some of your earlier influences and, and were there any sort of experiences, pivotal moments in your career? Oh, that's, that's, that's very nice. Well, I have some, some, uh, People inspiring me. Well, one I have to say was my father, uh, uh, rest in peace. But but it was he was an, a, an influence uh, in my career, you know, because of the commitment, the passion, the way the way I was educated. But if you want public figures, I have to uh, I have to admit that you know the latest Steve Jobs. I mean the way he approached things, he was considered a genius. Sometimes not not such a good leader, you know. Sometimes uh, his behavior was not was not that good. There are stories on on, on every angle, but he was committed. He was focused. He stick to the truth of the product or the vision, and then look at Apple today, the most uh, uh, valuable company on the planet, right? So, so Steve Jobs and, and, and his works really, uh, really gave me uh, that edge, right? And uh, I had the pleasure of being at the ISACA Board of Directors worldwide. ISACA is a non-for-profit auditing and assurance association. It's a volunteer work, but I was a, a, a vice president at the Board of Directors at an early age. And then that was that was like a lesson of life for me because again it's about auditing and understanding the real pillars. Uh, that's where I learned together with the certifications and my my early uh, career that I told you uh, at the beginning. Uh, Craig is about was about was about business first, business first, business first. And when you finished, business first. You know, so I learned that, and that was that was instrumental for crafting the Ramses that I am today, which is business first, business first, business first through the disciplines of protection, defense, cyber resiliency, metrics, indicators, people, data, honesty. So, so that's that, the, the, my, my, my inspiration came from different angles. I think that we are who we are because of the different stories that, that go through us, you know? I mean, I mean they, they touch us sometimes tangentially, you know, but sometimes they go through us. So Isaka certainly made that and... Uh, Working for American companies, I mean, uh, uh, I learned a lot from that that approach, you know, of being focused and having the vision. And, you know, my father, of course, and Steve Jobs, if I have to say something, yes. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And then, you know, in terms of how would your family describe what you do? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm smiling because, uh, you know, uh, my, my kids, when I was flying every single day of my life, not, of course, because of COVID-19, but let me give you a very quick, long story short anecdote. I, I promised that I was, I was in a country every, every day of, of my life, probably during a week. I can be easy, easy in 10 countries in a week, five, seven. <laughs> so uh, uh, there, was, there was a time that they asked me seriously, Dad, are you a spy? <laughs> so they thought I was because I have pictures of, of 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 one of every corner on the planet. So that, that, but that's that was a that was a joke. Meaning my family my family knows that I help. My family knows that I surf, and they they see me you know sitting here in my living room with a passion. Sometimes sweating. Sometimes when I when I deal with some regions of the world when it's my a.m. in the morning, and that's not a joke. 
I've done sessions 3 a.m. In, in the morning, my a.m., and then, of course, the rest of the family and, and, and the building itself was, 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 was sleeping. And then I got here sweating on my, on my and driving, you know, the, the, the speech for cyber resiliency or auditing or assurance and governance, right? So, so you know, that they, they know that I serve. They know that I help companies and I help my team helping companies to succeed, to protect and defend in that cloud generation, in that cyber resiliency journey, Craig. That's, that's what they, they think I do and, and I do. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, another uh, quick question for, yeah, we yep. always like to end uh, with a speed round and some slightly lighter questions is I'd love to hear what your guilty technology pleasure is. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm a, I'm a geek. I have to admit that I <laughs> buy almost every single, you know, new techie thing that is around. Okay. Let me put you an example. I'm probably, that's, that is not a, a good one, but I have to tell you. I have the pleasure of driving a Tesla, you know? I bought a, a, an automobile car, and trust me, that was to my eyes, and I've seen, I thought that, that I've seen any cool technology around. It is, this is impressive, impressive. And, and again, I think that I've seen everything. But when it comes to mobile devices, when it comes to, you know, a wristband that actually connects to my to my presentation and the way I move my hands, it go, so, so I go and check or try to check every single, cool edgy technology i promise that i was uh, when i was on stages of the world i have a wristband that actually went with me and as i move my my as i wave my hands i mean the presentation did other things there's a whole language a body language for for technology and if i do this you know if i if i click my fingers then the presentation did something of the other so i like to explore new things because i'm a believer uh, darcy and, and craig that technology is here to help with the right ethical approach, with uh, when the limit is the law regarding data collection, etc. But I think that technology is super cool and is here to help us. So that's my that's my little guilty pleasure. I try to I try to try every single uh, technology or techie thing that is out there. Yeah. <laughs> I I also have one, and it's interesting because um, we do a lot of events, and I do. Um, yeah, I think you've been to one of our previous events, Ramsey, the uh -huh. chief wine officer, but we get to hang out with lots of uh, security experts. And when we're staying in touch with them, and this is obviously divides opinion. So are you a, a WhatsApp or a, a Signal kind of guy? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I have to admit that for personal purposes, I use WhatsApp, okay? Although, although I'm not in Facebook. Well, wait a second. Did I say that because you 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 are not in Facebook, but because you are in WhatsApp, you are actually in Facebook. So let me let me let me give some food for thought for people out there. So I'm I'm not in Facebook officially, but suddenly I am because I use WhatsApp and Instagram. However, and that's a very good good question, Craig. Now seriously, uh, I also use Signal because of corporate and the associations I serve. They moved. They they were not using it at the beginning. So there, there has been, as you know, a movement on. So a, a transition to let's go to a to a, a more secure or a safer they say you know uh, uh, application. So I use both, but if you ask me on a personal basis, I use WhatsApp or I message from Apple in my Apple ecosystem with the family. But uh, but I also use Signal because and this is a very serious question. I mean a lot of a lot of companies, hundreds thousands of companies, they decided to move from the they say non privacy WhatsApp because they share information with. Of course, their their owner, which is Facebook, uh, into into site signal. But I, I use both. But on a personal basis, I use WhatsApp and iMessage. Yeah. 
Great. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't use Signal just yet, but yeah, I was <laughs> very interested to know um, what your stance on that was. All right. Well, Ramsey, I can see we're running out of time, unfortunately, but you've already left our listeners with some amazing insights and we could certainly feel uh, your passion and commitment as well to the topic of cyber resiliency. So thank you so much, Ramsey, for joining us. Uh-huh. Thank you for your time. It was a pleasure. I, I mean, time flies, but, but you know, you, you, you will have me anytime you need me. Thanks, thanks to you for treating me that well. Thanks for the listeners today. Hopefully I, I opened different doors and different, you know, food for thoughts and, and things to discuss further with their teams, their legal counsel, purchasing managers, infrastructure management. That was my goal today. But again, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to be with you today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to our listeners. If you did enjoy this conversation, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the episode enough, why not also rate and review? Please do leave us five stars. Thank you so much, everyone, for your time.